Thank you for joining us. Remember, you can watch our services live and view our archive at StevensCreekChurch.com, the Stevens Creek app, or on our Roku channel. And if our ministries have touched your life, we'd love to hear about it. Send us an email to mystory@stevenscreekchurch.com. We hope today's message encourages and inspires you. Enjoy the message. Well, good afternoon once again. It's Mother's Day and we're here to celebrate moms. You know, mothering could be one of the toughest jobs in the world. Or, or the, and I would say the toughest job that you'll probably ever love. When I start thinking about our parenting years... Um, I looked to my wife, Patty, and she, she was such a trooper through all those years. And she tried to do whatever possible to truly be the best mom that she could be. And, you know, there's a lot of pressure to mothering, especially with social media. I mean, when you think about it, every time you, you look at your phone, there's an image of this perfect mother. Or maybe you turn on the television. Maybe you're in line at Walmart and there's this video screen showing you what it means to be the perfect mother. You say, what kind of images do you see? Well, you're introduced to the gym mom. This gym mom has five kids. And the youngest is six months old, and she can wear a size two yoga pants. I mean, in what world does she live? And then you see the perfect image of the Rachel Ray mom, of course. I mean, she cooks a gourmet meal every day, sometimes twice a day. And yes, it's gluten-free, and it's paleo, and it's Whole30, all wrapped up into one. And not only that, she fixes meals for sick people in the church and takes care of her husband's co-workers. Really? And then you come and you meet the Joanna Gaines mom. Okay, you know her, don't you? I mean, you walk into her her house and your mouth just drops. I mean, every detail is perfect. I mean, from her color choices to the layout, every pillow is in place. I mean, her home looks like the Pottery Barn catalog. Come on now. And then you have the quality time, Mom. Yes, that quality time mom is going to spend every waking hour with her children. They start off by making pancakes that look like dinosaurs. I mean, by the time the child is three years old, he is fluent in English and Spanish. By the time they're five, they're proficient in the piano. And by the time they're 12, they're a Palmetto State uh, uh, scholar. We see this and we say, how does it happen? We know these types of women, so what, uh, so what do we do? How do we become one? Well, I'll tell you, when you're trying to become that perfect mom, Pinterest is your friend. Yes, go to Pinterest. I mean, you can find everything you need on Pinterest. There have been times that I've come home, and seriously, I've seen Patty stare at an iPad screen for hour after hour, and finally I'm saying, what are you doing? She said, I'm on Pinterest. I'm thinking, oh, no, how much is that going to cost me? But... Um, Really? This long? She said, I'm trying to put together paint colors. And so I get it. But so many times we look at Pinterest and said, yeah, we can do that. It's like the mom that said, uh, was, had a, a new uh, young baby and wanted to do special Christmas cards. And she looked at Pinterest and she saw this picture and she said, yes, I can do this. And so when she took the picture, it looked like this. <laughs> yes, nailed it. Or how about that mom that says, oh, honey, I'm going to give you the best birthday uh, party ever. It's going to be themed in Frozen. And, and we're going to have Elsa cake. And it's going to be beautiful. She went to Pinterest and there it is. She said, yes. But then when it came out of her kitchen, it looked like this. 
Yikes. And then the son needed an Elmo cake and said, oh, we're going to do the best for you. And she went to Pinterest and there's the Elmo cake. But when it came out of your kitchen, it looked like this. And finally, that little preschooler loves SpongeBob SquarePants. and, And you went to Pinterest and saw this. But when it came out of your kitchen, it looked more like this. Oh, kind of scary, isn't it? Nailed it. Well, today we're going to talk about a mom in the Bible that wanted everything just right. She just wanted everything to go right. Have you ever been like that? You had an event and you just wanted it to be the best. You looked at every detail and you said, yes, we're going to make this happen. Well, yes, there's a story in the Bible about this. And and the mom is named Mary. Yes, and you know her. She's the mother of Jesus. Mary is the most famous woman in all of the Bible, and I would say she is the most famous woman in all of history. In John chapter 2, we're uh, introduced to an interesting story about Mary and Jesus. Uh, They were at a family wedding. Now, we don't know exactly which member of the family was getting married, but we know that that Jesus' mother, Mary, felt somewhat responsible uh, for this event. Uh, specifically for the reception. In those days, it was a groom's family that was responsible for the wedding reception. So we pick up the story in John, John chapter 2, and we're going to begin reading with verse 1. On the third day, a wedding took place in Cana in Galilee. Jesus' mother was there. And Jesus and his disciples had also been invited to the wedding. Now let's pause just for a moment here. And just acknowledge the fact that weddings are a big deal. Some of you may be planning a wedding right now. They're a big deal. Um, uh, You know, in in our culture, so many girls start planning their wedding when they're in grade school. And so this was a big deal, and people look forward to that. And and as this um, was developing in this story, it was a big deal also. And you'll notice that that he said on the third day. That's an interesting uh, phrase there. Let's pause for a moment. On the third day. This wedding was such a big deal that it was not a two or three hour event. But in those days, weddings were a week long celebration. And so people would come from all over. And in fact, Jesus and his disciples are on their way. And they, and you had to come by. You had to walk or maybe ride a camel or ride a donkey. You had to get there. And so Jesus is showing up after the wedding had been going on for three days. We pick up the story in verse 3. It says, When the wine was gone, Jesus' mother said to him, They have no more wine. Now this is a huge problem. They were out of wine. And I'm sure some of you are wondering, were they drinking real wine or were they drinking Welch's grape juice? That's a real question. That's a real question that you have an opportunity to answer the question according to your tradition. So, if you were Catholic or you were Episcopalian or if you were um, Presbyterian or if you were Methodist... Then you read that verse and said, oh yeah, it was real wine. It was the fermented kind. 
And all the Catholics, you can't wave or clap. You can just nod, okay? A lot of Catholics here. Just nod at me. Got it. But if you were Baptist, got some Baptists in the house. If you were Baptist, if you were Pentecostal, if you were charismatic, when you read that and you see wine, you know that is the Welch's sparkling grapefruit, grape juice kind of wine, right? Okay, y'all figure that out on your own, okay? Um, So we'll look at it this it says in verse 3, when the wine was gone. So it could have been the, when the Welch's sparkling grape juice was gone. Or when the fermented wine. Whatever the case, Jesus' mother said, hey, they have no more wine. No more wine. There's a problem here. Jesus responds, oh, dear woman, why do you involve me? My time has not come. Well, in some ways, some of you would say, isn't that kind of rude? I think what Jesus was saying is, come on, mom, don't you understand? This is not the right time for this. And I would imagine Mary looked at him and said, I know you don't think this is the right time, but I've got a problem here. I've got a problem here and I need some help. Have you ever approached the Lord like that? Say, look, I've got a problem here. And I need some help. I think a lot of us are like that. That, that we have those uh, situations that develop that seem to be out of control. So we've got a problem and we need some help. Then she looked at some servants and she looked at them in verse 5. She said, I want you to do whatever he tells you to do. Okay? Now, Jesus understood the the Old Testament. He understood the top ten and the Ten Commandments that said, Honor your mother and father. So, he went to work. He He looked over in the distance and saw six stone jars over there. Now, these stone jars could hold between 20 and 30 gallons of water. These jars were empty. He looked at those servants. He said, here's what I need you to do. I need you to fill up those stone jars with water. And so they did it. They filled them up. Now, John notes that they filled them up to the brim, all the way to the top. And Jesus said, I want you to go over there and I want you to take a cup of water. And take a cup and get a a cup of water out of those stone jars. They knew they put water in it as they got that cup. That water miraculously turned into wine. It was the very first miracle Jesus had ever done. And the interesting thing about this miracle is this. This was a behind-the-scenes type of miracle. Behind the scenes. You know, so many of Jesus' miracles were out in public. When he looked at a man who couldn't walk and said, I want you to take up your mat and walk. Or he he looked at a man that was blind and he put mud in his eyes and he washed it off and he could see. I mean, so many, they were out in the marketplace. People saw the miracles, but his first miracle was a behind-the-scenes miracle. A behind-the-scenes miracle to help his mother out. Because weddings were a big deal. And if, if you would run out of wine in those days, it would be a blight on the family. And so this was important to his mother. But let's back up. 
So the third day Jesus arrives, and what we see here is that things by the third day had turned uh, to the place that there's a problem here, that uh, things got worse instead of better. It's interesting that Jesus' mother says, I need you to help me here. You know, a lot of times we have problems that we need help. And there are times in our lives that our problems increase instead of decrease. There are times in our lives when it seems like every time we take two steps forward that we end up taking two steps backwards, that we're in this difficult season. And we're wrestling with this, and we wonder, we just throw up a prayer, can you help me, please? Can you help me get out of here? Could it be that the problem that you're wrestling with now is really God working behind the scenes in your life to show you that he has power greater than you even imagined? Could it be that that problem that, you, that God, he has allowed in your life is really an opportunity for God to do something spe- uh, special? Here's the point. And in your uh, worship guide, there's some fill in the blanks here. It said, sometimes God will allow things to get worse before he makes them better. Sometimes God will allow things to get worse before he makes them. He said, that doesn't make sense. Why would God allow something to get worse before it gets better? You see this example all throughout the, the Bible. In fact, in the Old Testament, there's a character named Joseph. He was given the coat of many colors, but after he was given that, he was sold as a slave into Egypt. And, and so many times we could look at that story and say, why did you do that? Well, God was using that uh, difficult season to develop this man into a man of character so that he could eventually lead the nation. We look at King David. King David defeated Goliath. He was anointed to be king over Israel, but yet it didn't happen right then. In fact, he was chased um, by his enemy into a cave and, and he was hiding out trying to save his life. So he went through this dark place before he was actually able to be enthroned on the, uh, as a leader of Israel. We go through the pages of the New Testament. We meet a man named Peter. And Peter failed miserably by denying the Lord. And it was in that, that difficult place he found himself that God turned it around and then anointed him so that he could stand up on the day of Pentecost and speak to over 3,000 people and convince them to, uh, to give their lives to Christ. Think about Jesus himself. Jesus had to die on the cross. Couldn't get any worse than that. Except the fact that God turns crucifixions into resurrections. And on the third day, Jesus came out of the grave. What am I saying? That there are times in your life that things will get worse before they get better. That God is using that that situation in your life to develop you into the person or the people that you need to be. I love the words of 1 Peter chapter 5 and verse 10. It says, after you have suffered a little while. After you have suffered a little while, God himself will restore. God will restore you and make you strong, firm, and steadfast after you've suffered a little while. Sometimes suffering comes to us with God's allowance so that it can help develop us into better people. After you've suffered a little while. I think about the Old Testament verse. You know, the Old Testament, they were people who grew up on farms. And so they often used 
illustrations that related to the farm. He said, I will restore to you the years that the locusts have eaten. In other words, all those years that you have gone through difficulty uh, and, and challenging situation, God has said, I'm going to restore to you. I'm going to turn it around for you. I'm going to restore you and I'm going to make you strong. I'm going to make you firm. I'm going to make you steadfast. Here's the point. No matter where our problems come from, we have to look to Jesus for the solution. No matter where the problems come from, no matter where the sufferings come from, I want you to look to Jesus for the solution. I believe he has the answers that you need. Some of you are confused and you're trying to figure out your next step. I'd say look to the Lord. Sometimes I get in that situation. I say, oh, God, make it clear, make it plain. God, how about this? Open the doors that I'm supposed to walk through and please close the doors that I'm uh, supposed to stay away from. I need help. I need it to be that clear. Open those doors that I'm supposed to walk through. We look to the Lord for that direction. But you know, in doing that, we have to have faith. We have to have faith because there is a a time period from the time we offer up that prayer in faith to the time it happens. What's going on during that season? I think he's developing us on the inside. He's, he's teaching us what it means to have patience. And that's the point. Having faith is often about having patience. Having faith is often about having patience. Jesus saves the best for last. So here we are back in the story. Those guys filled up those uh, jars with water. They take a cup. Of that water, they go give it. He said, give it to the master of the ceremonies, the master of the banquet. And they did. We drop down to verse 10 in chapter 2 of John. He said, and the master of the ceremonies tasted from that cup and said these words. He said, everyone brings out the choice wine and then the cheaper wine after the guests have had too much to drink. But you have saved the best to last. Things may be getting worse in your life. But I want you to understand that Jesus is the author and the finisher of your faith. And he will finish what he started. I love the words of Philippians when he said, He who begun a good work in you will complete it until the day of Jesus Christ. Here's what we know. That Jesus saves the best for last. And I believe that better days are just around the corner for you. I really sincerely believe that. For those of you that are going through this dark season, I would encourage you to have faith and be patient because God is working it out for your best. Now, here's the point. Faith is not about what you say. It's about what you do. Faith is not about what you say, but it's about what you do. And when Jesus says something, we must act. We have faith. We know what we need to do. We need to take that step. We must act. His mother said to the servants, whatever he says, I want you to do that. And we know throughout the scriptures that that faith without works is what dead. So we've got to take that step. Whatever you do, uh, whatever he says, do that. And Jesus performed that miracle. He helped his mother out. He helped his family out. He worked a miracle Behind the scenes. I believe 
that Jesus is working behind the scenes in your life. And we may not see it, we may not recognize it, but God is working behind the scenes to create an atmosphere and an opportunity for him to show you his power and his glory. And I just want to encourage you to have faith. And you may look at your families, speaking to the moms today, and you look at your kids and and you think, will they ever get through this season? Will they ever get through this season of, of, of being young? Will they ever be able to go to the bathroom on their own? Will they ever? I mean, you think, is this ever going to happen? He's working behind the scenes to teach you what it means to be that, that mom, that dad that you need to be. And throughout every season that he will be there with you. And you may think, well, this is not going like I'd hoped. Maybe I should just stop this. It's not even worth it. Don't even think like that. I believe that there's a better day coming for you and your family. Some of you have stood in faith for those kids. And you've just believed the best. And you've prayed like you've never prayed. And I would just say continue to pray. Continue to ask. Continue to seek. And I want you to understand that those long conversations that you had... um, in that SUV or in that minivan, going from a ball field to ball field, those long conversations, they matter and they make a difference. You remember those days, don't you? And mom, those, those bedside chats that you had with those little boys and those little girls, that matters. Those little notes that you put in that paper bag as you sent their, their lunch to school, that little note matters. Because you're making a difference. When you bring your kids to church, that really matters. Or maybe this way, when your kids drag you to church, it really matters. You're making a difference with the countless things that you do every day for your kids. You're making an investment not only in your child's life, but I believe you're making an investment in the next generation. And I believe that you are going to reap dividends from those investments that you've made in your kids. Why? Because when God wants to do something great in the world, he doesn't start with an earthquake. He doesn't start with a big bang. He doesn't start with a tornado. But he starts with a child. He sends a child. Before he sends a child in the world, he chooses a mom to be that child's mother. Think about that. Before he sends a child, he finds a woman to be the mom of that child. When God needed a Moses, he found a Hebrew slave girl by the banks of the Nile by the name of Jochebed to be his mother. When God needed an Abraham Lincoln, he found a a poor, illiterate Virginia farm girl by the name of Nancy Hanks to be his mother. When God needed a Martin Luther King Jr., he reached down um, to the daughter of a poor black minister in Atlanta, Georgia, by the name of Alberta Williams and chose her to be his mother. When God needed a Mother Teresa, he found an impoverished Albanian woman by the name of Nicole. To be his mother. And when God needed a savior of this world, he reached down and found an ordinary teenager named Mary who is pledged to be married to a young man named Joseph. 
God chooses women just like you. Ordinary, average kind of folks just like you to do something very extraordinary in you and through you. And he's touching you to make a difference in this world. God chooses women just like you. Think about it this way. In all of the women of the world, think about that. Of all the women in the world, God chose you to be the mother of the children that you have. Think about it. Of all the the hundreds of millions of women in the world, God reached down and chose you to be the mother of that child that you have. He's called you to be a mom. He's not called you to be a super mom. You don't have to be that Jim mom or that Rachel Ray mom or that Joanna Gaines mom or that quality Tom mom. All you have to do is be who he's called you to be. Just be yourself. Because you have been chosen. Of all the women in the world, God reached down and chose you to be the mom of that boy, of that girl. And God has chosen you, and God is going to be with you. I realize there are, def- there are difficult seasons that you'll go through. Parenting is one of the most difficult and challenging uh, responsibilities that any of you will ever have. But you can do it. You can be that God-honoring mom. You can be that God-honoring dad. And today we're here to celebrate you, and we're here to uh, pray over you. But I also want to echo what Dave was saying, that I realized that Mother's Day could be one of the most difficult and painful experiences. Because some of you, maybe you've just lost your mom and, and you come here and you're reliving that and, and you're missing her. Or maybe you've lost a child. You know, Patty and I have been married 36 years and I look at all the Mother's Days that, and all the days that we've had. There's just a handful of days that I would consider one of the hardest days of our lives. I think back to the Mother's Day after our first child died. And I, I remember how hard it was to, uh, to go through that week and to know that we're leading a church and having to, to walk through that uh, pain. It was a very tough season. And that was still that we remember that. And so some of you have gone through that. We had a family just this Tuesday to go through that here at the creek. And so I realize that this can be a very tough season, but here's what I want you to know. That you are not walking through this difficulty alone. That God is with you. That you rest in Him. That you call on Him. And He'll give you strength that you uh, didn't know that you have. He'll give you power to take that next step. You think you can't even get out of bed in the morning. But you can Because you're not doing it alone. You say, I will never be able to face this situation. But you can. Because you're not going to face it alone. You're thinking, I never thought that I was going to be celebrating Mother's Day alone. I never thought I would walk through the pages of of a divorce decree. You can get through it. You can get through this. 
But you need a power that is greater than yourself. You need the power and the presence of the Lord. We're going to close this service out with prayer. And I just want you to just be open to receive what God has for you. Some of you are saying, God, I need wisdom or I need insight. I need direction. I need health. I need healing. What is it that you need? Say, God, come and speak to me today. Let's pray together. Father, I'm so thankful and honored to be here celebrating Mother's Day with this wonderful congregation. And Lord, as I stand before this audience and stand before the audience that's watching online, it's my prayer that you would touch the families here in this room. God, I ask that you'd strengthen the families. I ask, God, that you would allow your presence, God, to lead us and to guide us to the places we need to go. And to those people who are discouraged, I speak life over you and I speak hope over you. And Father, today we look to you for peace and strength and we receive that in Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen, amen, and amen. Happy Mother's Day. Thanks for listening. If you would like to help support the ministries of Stevens Creek Church, please go to StevensCreekChurch.com and click the Give button. See you next time.